my teaching, my values, whatever. Good morning and welcome to Mornings on Main Street, Southern Middle Tennessee. I'm Chris Yao. We've got a big show lined up for you. So let's hop right into it and give you this week's wrap. The front page of Main Street Murray this week has a story about Jim Grimes, a uh, former Spring Hill businessman who was shot and killed in his home in Linville. Uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, the city of Spring Hill is actually naming part of their multi-use trail after him. So there's a story in the paper about that. Also, an event that you will see later in this show, the Stand Together event that was held at Columbia Central with a student panel. Full story in uh, the paper as well about that. Dr. Michael Steele has been reinstated at Columbia Central as its principal. We have a story there as well as a story on uh, an updated story on Roy Brooks, who is accused of taking a weapon onto school property, a 2007 incident and 2009 memo from his time at the Columbia Fire Department, uh, shed some light on some history that he has uh, with firearms and students. So all of that is on the front page of the paper and more. So make sure to pick up your Main Street Murray copy today. Send you down to Pulaski where Scott Stewart is standing by. Hey everybody, it's Scott Stewart with the Pulaski Citizen Wrap this week. This week we have segment three of my interview with Pulaski Mayor J.J. Brindley and this week we talk about what's new, what's been going on new in the city of Pulaski over the last few months. I also got the opportunity recently to sit down with State Representative Clay Doggett right after the special session up at the state legislature. The first segment of that interview is also coming up today uh, on mornings on Main Street. In the Pulaski Citizen this week, the Citizen Spotlight is Pulaski Elementary teacher Ali Gibson, who is right there, top and center of the front page. The historic Giles County Courthouse got a facelift last week as some storm damage was repaired, and uh, we got some pictures of that on the front page. The Giles County Commission will be meeting in that beautiful courthouse uh, on Monday at 5 p.m. Among the agenda items will be a proposed policy for the use of the courthouse grounds and commission elections. You can find out the whole agenda right there on the front page of this week's Pulaski Citizen. Also, don't forget you can watch that meeting live on the Pulaski Citizen YouTube channel. We've got photos on page one of last week's Here's the Beef Festival. Inside, we've got our Realtors ad on page A2, uh, Giles County School Board meeting story, Information on last week's big power outage that knocked out most of Giles County. Giles Pass features Waco and the Fearless Forecasters jackpot is up to $300. Get your copy of the Pulaski Citizen today. We'll be right back after this. Having a good confident smile and being able to portray that positivity to others is really helpful. A professional family atmosphere is what we get every time we come here. Our hygienists do a better job at kind of assessing mouths and coming up with plans than most dentists do. They're very kind and they're very aware of other people. I think if there's things that I would want you to leave here with, I want you to feel like you were heard, that we listened to you, and I want you to feel like that your concerns were addressed. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. 
Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Hey, welcome in everybody. I'm Scott Stewart and I've got with me State Representative Clay Doggett. Uh, Clay, he is the uh, State Representative for Giles and Lawrence Counties. Welcome in, Clay. Hey, well, thank you so much. You're um, let's start with that special session that was called by, by Bill Lee. In your mind, what was what was the purpose behind the special session and uh, why, why, why would we have that? Well, thank you and thank you for allowing me the opportunity yeah. to, to be with you today. So, uh, the special session was called, and uh, there's a proclamation that he puts out. The governor has the authority constitutionally yeah. to, to call for, it's technically called an extraordinary session. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> he gave us a hint back in May uh, that he was going to call us in for the, the extraordinary. The special session is what we always call it. But uh, he, he listed 18 things, I believe it was, in his proclamation to call us in that he wanted to to see addressed, and it was all based around public safety and mental health. Right. So that's uh, that's what we did. We went in. Uh, of those 18 things, um, there was only three that actually passed. Yeah. Uh, that that he he brought in the the House and the Senate uh, was kind of back and forth as to. They were what, a little bit, weren't they? Yes, we were. We were <laughs> back and forth. But uh, when we when we came in. Um, we had 102 or 106 pieces of legislation that we were going to be considering, and and the Senate took three, and so we heard uh, a lot of the rest, a lot of those other bills. The the committee that I chair, the Criminal Justice Subcommittee, we had 30 bills in that committee. My goodness, uh, 11 made it out of that committee to the full, and of those 11, I think seven made it on out of there. So we ended up passing about 20. About 20 bills on the House floor, and again, just three of those were taken up by the Senate. So those other bills that were passed are just, you know, they didn't go anywhere. They just die, kind of die for lack of action after after it comes from you guys. Right. So, so a lot of bills that were introduced that didn't make it out of the special session, the exact same language, the exact, exact same bills can come back in. They would January. have to, be, but they would have to be reintroduced. They have to be right. reintroduced. That's okay. right. That's so good. that that's something that could happen, and I anticipate will happen going forward. So I mean, you have that's the technical reason for having it. Is there a, a political reason or a another reason why this why you think the governor felt this need to be called? Well, sure. You know, we had the Covenant shooting back in yeah. in March, yeah. uh, which was. Uh, a, terrible situation yeah. um, a lot of my, my sympathy and heart goes out to those families and students and all those that were affected um, and that that was the reason and there was a talk discussion about a lot of gun control measures yeah. uh, ori originally that come out and uh, a lot of times you'll have you know knee-jerk reactions to an instance yeah. or circumstances that occur and so I think once, you know, we got through that emotional stage of everything that happened, we sat down and said, okay, well, these are these are things that, you know, probably are not going to be able to be done. We need to look at the bigger picture. What can we do in generally in whole for public safety? Right. And so that's where the 18 items on his proclamation had came from. I got you. Well, there's a couple of different ways I want to take this. First of all, 
out of what you, what was passed or out what out of what you guys did discuss, what was accomplished? Well, three the three things that were accomplished was one there was an executive order uh, that he had signed in the law or put out. Excuse me, he put out this executive order, Executive Order One Hundred, I believe it was numbered, uh, that moved the the time timeline of when a final disposition of court is sent to the TBI for the purposes of background checks yeah. and those types of things. It was currently or previously under under law. It was thirty. They had thirty days. So if you go to court, if you're arrested for for committing a crime and you're convicted, right. then you end up from that conviction. They would have thirty days to transmit that information to the TBI. Which was a that's a long time. Yeah. If you were convicted of domestic violence, there's probably thirty days is a lot of time. That's a lot of time. If they had just been convicted today and tomorrow they went to the gun store and tried to purchase the firearm, that disposition may not have showed up to the TBI yet. So when they do their check, they may not be able to see it. So we moved this from thirty days to three days, basically seventy two hours to get that disposition in. That's pretty aggressive. It is aggressive, yeah. and a lot of people ask, well, why can't it be done immediately? Well, it's just, there's just no way to get it. Yeah. yeah, logistically, you can't get it done immediately. Uh, one of the things that we worked on that kind of, I think, kind of feeds into this was a united court system. You know, okay. right now, our, our criminal court, our general sessions court, juvenile court. Chantry and Chantry. And Chantry, they, they all live in their own little world, yeah. and there's no communication really to... Uh, just between counties, you know. Oh you, yeah, yeah. Uh, the criminal court here in in Giles and the criminal court in Murray County, there's not a, a direct line of communication no. for them to be able to be in sync with one another as far as how the sharing of information goes. Right. It just gets worse and worse. You've got 95 counties, and all 95 yeah. counties <laughs> communicate differently. Yeah. And so uh, when I first came to the legislature, that was one of the first conversations that I had when, when I knew right. that I was in the criminal justice realm is when I spoke with stakeholders from the district attorney's conference or the uh, office of the courts or you know the sheriff's association, I said, we need to find a way to get a united court system uh, in our state so that counties can communicate this information because it's it can be matter a matter of life and death you know in in a lot of cases when when these things happen and so yeah uh, that was one of the proposals in the proclamation was that uh, united court system so it kind of i felt like the 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 30 days to, to three days the 72 hour of getting that disposition filed with tbi uh, was a was a great start, but it can also if we had that united court system, everything would just mesh really well together. And then the third thing that was passed was the uh, uh, sales tax uh, exemption on safes, gun safes. Right. And then the Department of Safety was going to hand out the or give away the trigger locks uh, for firearms. Both of these. I've always called them, uh, you know, programs have been implemented in the past. I don't know, but was there anything that came up in those eight days that you thought, man, it would be maybe would be a good idea if we did get this passed? Yes, there were several things that I thought were some really good ideas. Unfortunately, and and you know, even though this is a special session, special sessions happen really, really quick. Right. And so, 
in my experience, this was either my fourth or fifth special session in the legislature. Um, kind of the the goose had already been cooked before you come in. Right. And so uh, we never did get anything until 10 days before. And so that's really tough to get that done. Well, a lot of folks that had legislation that they brought in to run, we never had conversations about any of right. it. So there were some really good ideas. And, and I say that to say this. There was one that dealt with blending, blended sentencing for juveniles. Okay. Uh, since I've been there in the criminal justice committees and the legislature, we see that pretty regularly. It comes up at least, if not every year, every other year. Right. And it's a mechanism to get juveniles that commit very violent, heinous crimes to be able to be transferred to adult court, uh, but they're monitored up to age 24 or 25. Uh, if they commit a crime when they're seven, 16, 17 years old, they stay under that that system to their 24 or 25 and then if they've had no other issues completed their programs they come off right whereas if a if a child stays in juvenile court right now once they hit 19 that it's gone yeah so it, disapp it disappears it like disappears it yeah like it never happened that is a conversation that takes weeks a long time it and takes a long time days, and right? we had eight days to get through that uh, great idea Needs more discussion. And may, yeah, maybe could eventually become what, what it needs to be. And, and we have time because we've had those discussions. Those are some good things that right. come out of the special session. That's great. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you, guys. We'll be right back right after this. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. The City of Columbia held its annual 9-11 Remembrance Day presentation on September 11th this past Monday at Columbia Fire Station Number 1 at Firefighters Park. Fire Chief Ty Cobb and Mayor Chaz Mulder each addressed the crowd on hand. What I remember more about just where I was that day was I remember where our country was in the days after. I remember how our country was united. Um, together we stand. We had uh, elected officials all across the country that were uniting others in a way that we just don't see as much anymore. And so on this day, as we pause to remember that fretful day of September 11th, 22 years ago, may we not just remember where we were, although I'm sure all of us do, may we also remember where this country was and how we're stronger when we're united. And let's remember that unity as we carry on. Thank you so much for being here today. Though 22 years have passed since the tragic events took place in New York City, Washington, D.C., and a field in Pennsylvania, both Cobb and Mulder said the events still weigh heavily on them, and they are proud to continue hosting this event in remembrance of those citizens and first responders who perished that day. So many people uh, and all Americans were affected by the 9-11 attacks. I remember I was on duty that morning at fire station number three in Columbia, and when the first plane hit, you thought maybe it was an accident, but when the second tower was hit uh, in the Pentagon, we knew that our country was being attacked. And 
We can never forget the sacrifices that were made by our first responders that day, the families that were impacted, because we were all impacted by that. Um, and, and then, of course, what our country was facing from then on with the threats of terrorism. Well, I think it's important that we never forget the events that took place that day. And as I mentioned in my remarks, you know, cities all across the country are having, having events such as this, but not every city is. Uh, but I'm just proud that the city of Columbia is so that we can make sure that, that we never forget, so we can make sure that we're passing this along to the next generation so that they understand the significance of that day and couldn't be more proud of the Columbia Fire and Rescue for making sure that happened today. For Cobb, the importance of remembering first responders on 9-11 is imperative, but hosting the event at Firefighters Park is paramount. Uh, I am proud of him to be uh, Fire Chief for the City of Columbia and honored to serve. Uh, we will never forget. That's what Firefighters Park uh, is, is a special place with uh, remembering those that we lost, not only on 9-11, but here locally. And, and great community leaders that have served our community and made sure that our first responders have what they need to do the job every day. Firefighters Park is a special place. And since it was dedicated in 2017, we've made sure to have our 9-11 service here in remembrance. Seeing the crowd on hand at the park that included firefighters, police officers, elected officials, and other community members makes continuing to put on the event an easy decision. People do still care. They, they love our country, they love our state, and they love their community. And every year this event is well attended. Uh, people come here and pause uh, going to work. Uh, maybe they're late to work uh, because they remember 9-11. They're impacted by 9-11. Uh, and they're, they're thankful for their first responders. And I'm telling you, there's, there's no greater community that loves their first responders than those people in Columbia. And it's an honor every day for our firefighters, police officers, EMS workers, our dispatchers to serve and protect this great city and great county. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Stand Together, an event focused on bringing light to issues facing students, was held at Columbia Central High School last week in conjunction with community leaders and the Columbia Peace and Justice Initiative. Students from marginalized groups sat on stage of the school's auditorium to discuss issues they face on a daily basis in school with their peers, while moderator Julie Beck prompted them with questions about how each speaker felt about the issues they face. You know, these kids spend most of their lives ninth grade to 12th grade in this building with these administrators and these teachers and it is vitally important that they feel safe, they feel loved, they feel heard and I think they do. I think after that today I feel like they do feel heard, they feel listened to. Um, they just want, they want to feel seen, they want to feel safe, they do not want to feel judged and I think we're getting there but I think, why have we not done this before? Why have we not gone straight to the source before now? And ask them how they felt instead of the adults. We're doing this for the kids. Why have we not gone to the kids? Columbia Central 
Criminal justice teacher Garland Brown helped start a group nearly 30 years ago that was similar, but was unable to keep it going past 2004. Seeing the rejuvenation of such an important cause inside the school is something he's excited about. Uh, it's great to see that. Uh, we did that. We started EYM uh, 27 years ago, and it lasted up until about 2004. And basically the reason why it stopped is I don't have the help that I used to, and I'm, I've gotten older uh, than, than I was then. And we wanted to have younger teachers come along and try to, to vibe with the younger students. Um, now we're getting some younger teachers on board. We've got the, uh, the, the support of the administration, of course, and now we're trying to evolve this to, to it where it's going to touch every student. Uh, the students, the, we call them the C students. C students run the world. So we want to get the C students involved now and try to get, lift them up and make sure they're part of the, the school and the community activities that we have here. Students spoke to one another with a live studio audience of community members and other students and said when the panel ended, they felt much better about their individual situations because they'd been heard. I mean, we feel heard now and understood. And it, it shows that y'all care. Of what she said, it's better to see that our community and our principals, students, and everybody around us care about us and wants to know what we have to do. It wants us to do better and not be the people that we're labeled as. And they want us to be able to grow and be the best that we can be. Seeing community members in the audience was a big factor in their comfort level. And for Beck, making sure the community is behind the students is paramount because she feels that if the students realize the support system they have, it will only increase their level of comfort in sharing their concerns. I, I'm so glad to see communi community members show up today. Um, I know that there were several that could not be here today that wanted to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, some of these kids don't even know who the community leaders are, and I hope as they spoke and they looked out into the audience today that that impressed them and, and showed them, oh, maybe somebody does want to listen to me. Reporting from Columbia, I'm Chris Yao. Welcome back into Mornings on Main Street, Southern Middle Tennessee. We're going to take you now to sports with Maurice Patton and Wade Neely. We'll start in Murray County with Mo. Thanks, Chris. This week's Main Street Murray Print Edition has full coverage of week four high school football across Murray County and Southern Middle Tennessee, including the outcomes of the Pegasus Cup matchup between Summertown and Loretto and the Cowbell game between Giles County and Lawrence County. We've also got Region 5-5A play, huge game between Shelbyville and host Columbia Central, as well as Lincoln County and Spring Hill. Also, Big games out of Region 5-2A between Harpeth and Mount Pleasant. And, again, the Pegasus Cup game, Loretto and Summertown. Results as well from Columbia Academy, Independence, and Blackman. So be sure and check out the print edition, again, of Main Street Murray. Also there, we will have Mostradamus' picks for Week 5 coming up this weekend. Our upcoming fall sports schedule for cross country, golf, volleyball, and girls soccer. And we'll catch you up with the Columbia State women's soccer team, which has yet to lose this year. So be sure and check all of that out in the print edition of this week's 
Main Street Murray and keep up with all of your high school action online at MainStreetMurray.com. Thanks, Mo. Wade, what have you got? Big week of sports here at the Pulaski Citizen. You can read all about it in print in this week's edition, or you can check it out at PulaskiCitizen.com. Into the ball games we go. Richland had a heartbreaking loss, its second heartbreaking loss of the season. Giles County, meanwhile, the Cowbells coming back to the campus of the Bobcats as they win at 42-7 to in uh, their big showdown last Friday. It's got a little bitty recap of the Ardmore Tigers as they suffered a heartbreaking defeat to the Brewer Patriots. Make sure you check that out. And also words on the UT Southern Women's Soccer Program as the Firehawks split this weekend. Mixed results. They got a nice win uh, versus a ranked foe, the number 11 Southeastern Fire. Love that mascot. The Fire versus the Firehawks win in favor of UT Southern as uh, they picked up a nice win on Friday. We have words on that. So you can check out that. You can also read words from our good friend Larry Woody. And then coming up this week, Giles County is off. So you never know really what to expect when one of our schools is off. But uh, we're going to drop in some words. Had a great interview last week with Giles County senior left-handed pitcher Carter Kelly. Carter is now committed to the University of Georgia. His recruitment has not only opened, it has opened with a bang. And after uh, interest and offers from some area schools, he has made a commitment to the University of Georgia. So we'll have a story on that. We'll also have nuggets from Ardmore, probably UT Southern. And then you're just going to have to flat out pick up your next edition of the Pulaski Citizen if you want to see what's in there because we love covering all things local. We love covering all things sports. And it's all part of our extended coverage here under the Main Street umbrella. That's a wrap here from the south end of the Main Street footprint. Wayne Neely, sports editor of the Pulaski Citizen, signing off. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. When we come back, mornings on Main Street, we'll take a look at your weather and the forecast for this week. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back into Mornings on Main Street. Let's take a look now at your weekly forecast with our friends from Tennessee Valley Weather. From the Tennessee Valley Weather Center, this is your weather today. Good Wednesday morning to you. I'm Kelly Rawson here in the Tennessee Valley Weather Center with your forecast. We've got some clouds this morning, but we will gradually see more and more sunshine as the day progresses. You see that here on Futurecast, those clouds get on out of here, still leaving behind a partly cloudy sky with winds out of the north for tomorrow as well. So we are going to be seeing temperatures staying very comfortable both today and tomorrow, and we will see the clear sky and clear conditions continue after sunset, after a little bit of a breezy day today. For tomorrow, we are looking nice and comfortable, another nice fall-like day. Here's your seven-day forecast from the Tennessee Valley Weather Center. We are looking at temperatures in the upper 70s to lower 80s for the next few days and a lower 80s expected for this weekend. However, we are going to end our quick dry stretch from today through Friday on a Saturday with a scattered storm chance. They have always met wildest expectations as far as taking care of my teeth and my health. 
you know, teeth health is very important now to your heart. And I told him one day, I said, I'd love to have nice teeth and nice hair. And uh, he said, uh, well, I can take care of the teeth, but I can't take care of the hair. And I said, you can make my teeth? He said, yeah. I said, well, let's go for it. And he did. And I have been tremendously pleased. Dr. Hart, if you need him at night, he's here. This staff here will take care of you 24-7. You don't have to worry about, I can't get a hold of my dentist, my tooth's hurting. No, they will be here for you. And if I could get Dr. Hart to take that same artistry that he has and grow hair, then he would, he would be double rich. And that's going to do it for this edition of Mornings on Main Street, Southern Middle Tennessee. Make sure to check us out on your mobile apps. We have a brand new mobile app, Main Street Media TV or Main Street Media of Tennessee. We have two apps, one where you can find all the news and another that you can find all of our shows. So again, make sure to download our apps, Main Street Media TV on your Roku, Apple or Fire Stick device, as well as your iPhone or Android and same thing on your iPhone and Android, you have the Main Street Media app with all of our local products in each of the communities around Middle Tennessee. We look forward to seeing you there. Come back next week at 10 o'clock on Wednesday for Mornings on Main Street, Southern Middle Tennessee.